0: Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grunbocker and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, a strong and powerful Mark Willis. Mark, are you ready to do this? Let's rock. Nice. Let's do this. Mark is a CFP, a best-selling author, the owner of Lake Growth Financial Services, and the host of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Mark, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do.
1: Okay, very good. Well, I have stumbled across the financial universe, I guess, inadvertently. My wife and I got degrees and graduate degrees and things other than money. Uh, But when we graduated in 2008 with degrees that weren't really marketable, we left school with six figures in student loan debt and zero way to get out of debt, no Mm. plan at all. (laughs) And then soon after that, George, we moved to Chicago, which is not exactly the least expensive city in the world. Uh, So I started working various streams of income, and uh, turned out to be in the midst of the Great Recession and started working alongside some other income streams for a CPA. And all of my training taught me that mutual funds, you know, kind of the uh, buy and hold, all the average financial advice was essentially the only way to financial freedom. And I was getting reinforcements from that from the likes of Dave Ramsey and other radio hosts and that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, we stumbled across some strategies that gave us, I think, a a new and even more unique and maybe even a better way to pay off our massive student loan debt problem and get wealthy right alongside it. So that's partly what I do. Um, So I work with uh, clients who are interested in growing and protecting their wealth. Uh, So, you know, how Wall Street and others would say maybe the Federal Reserve, for example, uh, has given us essentially a roller coaster ride for our money. George, over the last 15, 20 years at For least. For sure. <laughs> and uh, and they want us to believe that it's either accept their way uh, or live in poverty throughout retirement. Well, what we do is we offer our clients a fresh, time-tested approach to creating and protecting wealth in a way that's safe and predictable. And we work with our clients to become their own source of financing to be better than debt-free. And so that's what I do. And I love what I do. Nice.
0: so fun. I think like that that's awesome. And so often it is sort of a necessity breeds innovation kind of a thing where you mm-hmm. run into a problem and the solutions that are available aren't necessarily what you're looking for, so so you figure it out. If you don't mind me asking, well, it's, it's kind of a tricky situation because I'm going to ask, what was what, uh, your degree in?
1: I got a uh, Master's of Divinity. Nice. So theology, philosophy, um, church leadership. And uh, my wife got a degree in fine art. So, uh, you know, just nothing, nothing but high dollars rolling in money <laughs> with those degrees.
0: <laughs> well, I imagine you guys could, could probably do tours of the Vatican or something to like that yeah, and, and exactly. probably be extremely impactful. So who That's knows? actually not a bad idea. No, <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, I, I am all for, I, I don't want to call it, well, I'm all for non-traditional approaches, um, and, and things that mm-hmm. are, um, that the people have found to be effective. So would, would love to hear about some of those strategies. Uh, maybe start with how, how you guys
1: managed to get out of debt. Well, sure. And, and just to kind of tail on what we were just saying, sharing there, I agree with you. I think if you follow the herd, you're going to get slaughtered. Uh, so, you know, if we only have our 401k because, you know, everyone else is telling us to or because that's, that's the smart adult thing to do uh, and we don't stop and think about the impact uh, and what's wrong with traditional financial planning and financial advice, we will get slaughtered. I mean, the the honest reality is 52% over half of American households will not be able to maintain their current lifestyle in retirement, according to the Retirement Research Center at Boston College. Uh, and, you know, the average American uh, doesn't really realize that the returns of the market, um, this is according to Dalbar, I don't know if any of your listeners follow this, maybe only the super nerds like me keep up with this sort of thing. <laughs> but a a super well-respected third-party research firm, Dalbar, recently came out with their qualitative analysis of investor behavior report. So that's the real snoozer right there. That title right there should put us to sleep. But here's what's really interesting. The average investor in asset allocation mutual funds. Okay. So that's kind of your typical, you know, mutual funds that are spread among a number of asset classes. Over the last 30 years, George, they've only earned 1.85% per year. That's the average real investor Hmm. in mutual funds, 1.85%. And if you were all in on stocks, that's the equity mutual funds. They're only giving us a reported 3.98% per year for 30 years, beating inflation by just barely 1%. Now that, that should cause most of us to pause and reflect. If we're being told to put all of our money uh, into a 401k or IRA for a whopping 3.98%, if we're all in on stock and have no bonds in our portfolio, 3.98%, just shy of 4%, doesn't get me out of bed in the morning.
0: No, that's not very compelling.
1: You know, and why don't we go ahead and add to that? That is before fees, which can devastate your portfolio uh, according to the department of labor, even a 1% fee can cut your portfolio return by 30%. Okay. And then throw taxes in on top of that. And we're hardly breaking even. This is what most of our clients, uh, when they first meet with me sort of, uh, acknowledge tacitly, they say, you know, it goes up every year, but I'm putting money in every year. So I don't know if it's me or the market that's <laughs> growing my 401k. Right. And the honest truth is it, it, typically is simply the contributions they're making. If we looked at their internal rate of return of that 401k, it's typically even or negative, especially when we factor in the problem that fees and taxes have on their portfolio. So average ways of doing things, uh, I feel, have shown themselves to be a a huge failure. I mean, the 401k um, only got its start in 1981, so it isn't even old enough to retire yet. George, and <laughs> it's the biggest retirement experiment in our nation's history.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. Well, I 100% agree that that fees and expenses and taxes are probably one of the most overlooked things and something that we certainly talk about a lot. I know that a lot of people who are listening um, are probably surprised by the, uh, the rates of returns that, that, that you just shared with us. Um, what was the source? You said it was a Delbar survey?
1: Dalbar, Yeah. The, the quantitative analysis of investor behavior. If you just type in D-A-L-B-A-R space Q-A-I-B 2017, 2018, they do a report every year. Just search for that on the internet. You'll find uh, summaries of it.
0: Perfect. All right. Excellent. Okay. So a lot of folks, and I, like, I, I agree that the 401k has not has not proven to be a a suitable or worthy replacement of pensions it's not helped people to really accumulate assets for retirement so so what are some ways that that you found or what are you counseling your clients to consider
1: yeah there's a you know there's it really comes down to sitting down with each client i mean where is it written that we need wall street to be our primary engine to grow our wealth and retire comfortably you know where is it written that we have to put all of our eggs in the basket of risk, uh, just to get to retirement. Uh, and you know, why do we have to accept their assets under management fees and compounding just so we can hope and pray that the market will be at the right point when, we, when it's time for us to retire. So sometimes it's helpful to sit down and ask yourself what you want money to do for you and you know, before we start talking about financial vehicles and products, oftentimes I just sit my clients down. We'll just sit down and have a conversation. You know, if they could choose, Any number of attributes, characteristics, if their money, if they could just wave a magic wand, if they were Pope of money for the day, (laughs) what would they want that money to do for them? What characteristics would be important to them? And it's fascinating the similarities I hear in their answers, George. It's things like, hey, I I want my money to be there when I go to look for it. I want it to be tax free when I take it out. I want some sort of predictable growth pattern with the ability to get higher returns if I want to take advantage of those opportunities. I want to be able to access the money without getting my hand slapped with penalties and taxes. Those sort of things, you know? Uh, So yeah, we'll sit down with folks, work with them on a one-on-one advisory role. We'll go over their full situation. I don't make any recommendations until I get a sense of where they are in their life. And then we'll build a blueprint to help them get from where they are now to achieving those financial milestones without taking a bunch of unnecessary risks. Got it. And then of course we set up a, a system where we keep up with them stay on track with them. I just got off the phone with a young couple down in Florida. They're uh, having their anniversary down there. And it was just really tremendous to get to see the milestones that they've already achieved in just a short period of time.
0: Nice. I think that's excellent. And I certainly agree that, uh, I think maybe taking a step back, that over the past, you know, interest rates have been so low for almost 18 years now that Mm -hmm. the stock market it, for all intents and purposes is the only place traditionally that that we have if we want to try to get any kind of rate of return um i wrote a, a blog post a little while back about how in the 80s you could get like an 18 percent rate of return I, I forget what the number was yeah. just in a bank cd um and so i think that as interest rates rise we're probably going to have some more opportunities but to your point certainly um Investing in the market is not without risk and volatility and things like that. So important to to your point help help your clients understand how it all works. So
1: Well, I like I liken this to the analogy of trying to get in an airplane and flying to, you know, we're here in Chicago here uh, where I'm recording this. So from Chicago to LA, um, you know, let's say that airplane can fly at, I don't know, 400 miles an hour but let's say that for whatever reason the wind speed coming right at you is a headwind of 500 miles an hour up, upwards where you're where you're going to be flying that airplane so no matter how hard you push on that gas for that that airplane if your engine can only spin at 400 miles an hour and the wind is pushing you uh, in the face at 500 miles an hour it doesn't matter what kind of, you know, tricks, you know, as an airplane pilot, you're going to be moving toward New York, not LA <laughs> at hundred miles an hour, right. right? There's, there's just too much coming right at you. It's the environment where your money lives that really matters the most. Not so much. How can I tweak a little bit of a rate of return off this asset class or, you know, spend some tax loss harvesting. Those are fine. And those are good. That moves us from 400 mile an hour planes to 405 mile an hour planes, I guess. But the real power is learning to let the the wind come to your favor and to sit in the financial environment where you control how the wind is blowing and getting you a tailwind, pushing you from 500 miles an hour, plus your airplane speed of 400, you just switched your position and now you're heading to LA at 900 miles an hour. Now that is a real return on your investment and that's really what we work on with our clients. It's not so much squeezing this rate of return out here or there you're right Uh, the the risk of the market is the only place investors have sought safety and tried to find yield but as interest rates rise what do you think the what do you think the resulting market volatility is going to do when people start to get decent returns again in bank cds they're not going to be leaving all that money in a risky asset if they can go find safety and decent yield and a cash equivalent. Right. Yeah. Uh, so what will the overall market do when boomers are retiring at 10,000 people per day for the next 20 years? And we've got increasing interest rates as long as that is supported. Who knows what the Fed will do next. Right. Uh, so if you had an airplane that controlled uh, the wind around it, how cool would it be? How how much faster could you get to your destination? Well, we use that analogy to talk about interest and the way we buy things, typically financial planners don't really have a plan for how their clients are going to buy all the stuff of life. You know, that stuff of life, if we just think about it, how many cars are we all going to buy over our lifetimes? How many business trips? How many vacations? Uh, if you just simply buy those things the the average way, either using, you know, bank loans, credit cards, student loans, uh, which is my my wife and I's story, Uh, Then we're going to end up lending those profits to someone other than ourselves. We're going to give that profit away to a bank. But, George, this is one of the biggest highlights of, of our financial life so far, my wife and I. We realize that we finance everything we buy. Either we're paying interest to a bank down the street or we're passing up interest we could have earned on the money had we not spent it and left it invested instead. Right. You know,
0: yeah, there's that, no two ways really, about that. We, we definitely pay interest on, on pretty much everything and tax on pretty much everything. And people don't really mm-hmm. think about that. So,
1: Yep. Yep. I mean, that's the just the simple uh, concept of opportunity cost. But most of us have never really sat down to really calculate that. I did a quick math calculation. And, and if we just bought cars, if we bought eight cars over our lifetime, each car is $25,000, and let's say we went on five uh, 12 vacations each at $5,000 a piece over our lifetime. So eight cars, 12 vacations, the pure cost of that would be um well if each vacation was 5 grand, that would be a total of $260,000 just paying for our cars and vacations, okay? Um and let's say that it took saving $360 a month to get there over 60 years. Okay, okay. so financing that would mean a lifetime of payments and if the interest on those cars and vacations was 10%, we'd have spent 365,000 bucks, you know, which is, you know, the $260,000 for the assets and the vacations and 165 grand to the bank. With me on everything so far? Yes. So what if we just paid cash? You know, let's beat the credit cards and auto loans at their own game and just save up and pay cash for stuff. Well, that's still $260,000 that would have just gone to the wind with a bunch of old cars and a bunch of nice memories, certainly from the vacations. But if you had just put that $361 in some sort of account that earned 5% over 60 years and not bought the cars of the vacations, it would have grown to $1.5 million. (laughs) So I hope you like the vacations.
0: Yeah, right, nice.
1: So if you could just find a way to recapture all that money, all that money that we're all spending, all of us, throughout our lifetime, and what if we could continue to get uninterrupted compound growth on that money uh, where you could find yourself in a much better spot uh, to have cash ready to go for retirement. That's some of the strategies we use, like uh, the bank-on-yourself concept and some of these other strategies that we use with our clients every single day.
0: Well, all that sounds very attractive.
1: <laughs> so so how do we do it? Yeah, I mean, uh, we believe we found some strategies that help folks get there. I mean, we've we've looked at custom-tailored, maximized cash value life insurance as one option, where when you access the money, you don't liquidate the cash value. It keeps on growing as if you hadn't touched a dime of it. Uh, that's exactly how my wife and I paid off our student loans, for example, you know, so we had $120,000 of student loan debt. Uh, when we graduated, we paid that down the old fashioned Dave Ramsey snowball method way. And then we kind of realized oh well, heck, you know, we're going to end up paying all this money to Sally May and have zero net worth at the end of the whole game. What if we just plow that money into our policies first, our life insurance cash value policies, and then when we access that money, when we loan that, borrow from the policy, and then just use that money to wipe out the student loan, then at least we'll have a dividend yielding asset. The life insurance cash value will pay us as if we had not taken that loan out. So to put that another way, we get uninterrupted compound growth on the cash value of the policy and we're student loan debt free we bought back our debt essentially is what my wife and i did we bought it back from the student loan companies and the federal government student loans that we had and now uh you know as we paid them back we've uh, we're student loan debt free and we just paid back the student loan policy loans to ourselves we became our own source of financing we bank on ourselves and fired our banker
0: nice 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 well i i know that uh that Cash value, permanent life insurance can be a very, very dynamic and impactful financial vehicle. And I know that people who are listening, if they're not familiar with it, are probably probably going to have a ton of questions. So I imagine when you share with them here in a minute where they can learn more about you, they'll be able to find out more information about it. If you would just play devil's advocate a little bit um, and talk about some of the the things that maybe people don't think about in terms of, in terms of successfully managing a life
1: insurance policy, just, just to talk about the other side of the coin, things they should be aware of mm. on this. Uh, so first of all, don't just run out and go get one of these. Uh, they, they don't come, you know, uh, off a shelf somewhere. They have to really be tailored. Right. Uh, I've seen so many people think they have one of these policies only come to find out it's going to be taxed in retirement. It's growing way too slow for the money they're putting into it. It's reaping huge commissions to some agent that set it up for you. Uh, So, you know, thank goodness once it's set up, you don't have to think about it a whole lot. It just sort of works. But, you know, that's one of the biggest ah ahas or gotchas, I guess, is that these policies are really, uh, they do take some engineering uh, and you want to make sure you're working with an engineer that uh, has some credentials or some training you know, in in his or her past so that they build it correctly and some sort of quality standard to know that you're getting what you think you're getting with these policies. So that's maybe one. Another real gotcha is you shouldn't think of this as a instant overnight success story. This is a long term financial vehicle. Uh, so if you're looking for 30% rate of return in the first year, uh, you might want to go find some swampland in Florida, <laughs> or somewhere, or some Bitcoin or something at this point. Um, so you know those those sort of speculative investments uh, will hold for other podcasts that we could do. Uh, and again, we are a full financial firm, so this is not all we focus on. But this is one of the the strategy of becoming your own source of financing is one of the things we specialize in. George, it's also I suppose it's sort of a small hinge that swings a big door. What I mean by that is if you plow all this money into one of these policies, you then have this big pool of contingency capital that you can deploy for not just buying your cars and vacations, but, you know, let's talk about real estate investing. Let's talk about paying, sending your kids to college or some, uh, some income in retirement, for example. So it just, it sort of does a lot for you. Think of it sort of like the Swiss army knife in your toolbox. Um, but yeah, as far as, things that you really want to watch out for don't see this as an investment it's really not it's just a saving strategy inside of a cash value life insurance policy it'll give you decent returns but nothing nothing that'll just you know thrill you uh, or terrify you as uh, we've seen lately in the markets Uh, just kind of the slow and steady wins the race well i think that that is well said mark and mark savage nation is ready for your difference making tip what do you have for them Keep a close eye on who's controlling the financial environment where your money lives. If you can simply keep an eye on that, uh, you know, they say the fish is the last to notice the water. If you can keep an eye on the environment where your money lives, I think you can do more than just about any financial vehicle uh, or, or tip out there. So keep an eye on the environment and you'll go far. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely
0: gets a Come on. Come on. And Mark, thanks so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn
1: more about you? Thank you again for the opportunity, George. The uh, number one spot we'd love for folks to check out is our uh, awesome podcast. We have so much fun on it. It's called Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Uh, We talk about things like average rates of return. So see, get it there. Uh, Not Your Average Financial (laughs) Podcast. Uh, So we talk about all of the strategies we just talked about today on this show in detail on our episodes. So we would love for you guys to come check us out there. Uh, and tell you what, if you, uh, hop on, uh, that website, not your average financial podcast.com, if you click book a meeting, uh, you'd meet with me or one of my advisors for 15 minutes. Uh, we will, and, and be sure to mention, uh, the, uh, the, this podcast in your show notes or on the, uh, on the scheduled events notes. We'll be sure to send uh, you a copy of my best-selling book, uh, how to be an Amazon legend and fire your banker compliments of George. Uh, So just let me know uh, that it's Money Savage Podcast is how you heard of us. And we'll be sure to send that book free of charge. Awesome.
0: Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Mark your appreciation. Share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Check out the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. And you can find that at notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com. Let them know that we sent you and get a copy of the book as well. Thank you again, Mark. My pleasure.